This is Brian Kaplovitz, and you're listening to the Speaker Match Radio Series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. This is a live show where we interview top experts in the speaking industry and business to provide emerging speakers with marketing strategies and other business building advice. If you're listening live, you can participate in this call online right now by going to speakermatch.com slash radio. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Brian Kaplovitz, your host, and our guest today is Norma Hollis. Norma is a 20-plus year veteran of the speaking industry. She is a previous Speakers Bureau owner for over 12 years, and she is known on stage as America's leading authentic voice doctor. Today, we're going to be discussing how you can align your message with your delivery style through the lens of authenticity. Some of you may have heard the term authenticity uh, thrown around a little bit, but Norma is going to provide a fresh perspective that I think as speakers, you can appreciate and utilize the next time you're on stage delivering your message. So let's bring Norma in on the call. Welcome, Norma. It's great to talk with you Hi, again. And thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to reconnect with you again. Thank you for having me. Well, I think that uh, you uh, you have resonated with a good number of people here with the topic. And the topic, by the way, today is the magic is in the message, how to create a message that brings magic to the stage. So, Norma, uh, before I get into the questions, can you uh, give everybody a little bit about your background and uh, what kind of experience you have in the speaking world? Yes, well, I came to the speaking industry after being director of nonprofit uh, preschool programs, Head Start programs. So I come from a very strong human development uh, background. And I was actually the first African-American woman to own a bureau for ethnic speakers. And that was called Speakers Etc. And I also had an online directory called Black Speakers Online. And I had those two for about 20, about 12 years. And um, the bureau was actually one of the largest bureaus, um, ethnic bureaus that was out there for a while, you know, for quite a while. And it was just a joy to learn so much about the industry. And you know, I think the greatest, I think I was the greatest benefactor of that from the standpoint of what I learned from the speakers. And in so doing, I heard so many messages delivered in so many different ways and learned so very much. And so that's between my human development background and my passion for people and, and my focus on authenticity, I recognize how important the message is for speakers, and that's why I kind of settled on that as the area of my expertise of working with speakers. So there are so many different aspects to being a, uh, a really great speaker that uh, I, I guess we hear from different perspectives that right. uh, different things are more important. So, you know, some say that it's the message. Some say that it's the delivery style. Some say that it's the, maybe the confidence. But you feel that message is the real key to uh, really bringing magic to the stage. How come? Well, I, well, actually, I think message is the foundation. 
message by itself is not enough because I know we've all seen speakers who have great information and a very horrible way to present it. So it still has to be presented in a way that's that's dynamic and that's engaging. But the foundation is a message because if you're not talking about something that people want to hear and find valuable and not speaking it from your heart, then then it's, you know you're losing a great connection that you otherwise you know could have. So that's kind of why I feel the message is important. Now, now I'm also a person who has a very strong belief that we all come to the planet with a message. That that message is often called our purpose. And as speakers, our, we share our purpose through our message. And if that, since, that, since that is my belief, I would feel that message is very important. So message to me stems from the gifts and talents a person has, what their experiences have been, where they're going in life and what their dreams and goals are. And that's really a part of just being alive and being human which is why I think message is so important. And then the message also is how you touch other people. People, are, sure, they get touched sometimes by, by, your, by your energy and what have you, but the lasting part of what changes lives is what you say to people and, and, and how you touch them through your words and your stories. So I think that's probably why I think message is, is more than 50% of the, of, 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 of the responsibility for success. So you've, you've seen a lot of speakers in your, uh, in your career, and um, you've probably seen some who, uh, who have a message that may not have been the right message for them. Uh, others seem to be a great fit. Um, how, how can a speaker be sure that they are finding their message? Well, the truest message for anybody is one that resonates with your past, your present, and your future. So as human beings, we're always evolving. You know, we're very evolutionary creatures. We're never the same 10 years from now than we were 10 years ago. We're constantly going through, through a metamorphosis and evolution. And so the message that is most authentic with any speaker, excuse me, is the message that that they can relate to their past, to their current, and to their future. So when I, when I stumbled upon my brand and my platform being authenticity, I knew it was right because when I looked at my past, and my past was early childhood. That's what my degrees in. That's what my first 20 years in, of career was. And I could talk about raising authentic children that fit perfectly, and I had all the content with a little bit of research that I could do that with ease. And I thought about my present, and at that time I had the Bureau, or had just finished the Bureau, somewhere around there, and I know I could work with speakers to help them become authentic speakers and be authentic in how they present themselves. And at the time I had the goal of, but had not started, speaking to corporations. And I knew that when I got to corporations and organizations, I wanted to talk about authentic leadership. So that theme of authenticity is a thread that goes all the way through. And now I'm even expanding to another brand and extension of authenticity, which is authentic beauty. But it all is around the theme of authenticity. So that's how I am very clear that that is my platform and my message, because every time I open my mouth, it has something to do with authenticity. So that's what I encourage speakers to do when they think they have a platform, a brand, an identity that they want to go with, 
ask themselves how it relates to their past and what stories and what message and what themes can they speak about that tie that into their past. Ask them how it relates to their current life and what themes, et cetera, can work with there. And then what are their goals and visions and how does it work with that? Not that things may not change, they may. But what I've learned in coaching speakers and consulting for the last 20 years is that the themes that show up in our lives generally stay showing, they continue to show up in our lives. They may have been there when we were children. They may have been there when we were in our 20s. And we may see them again when we are in our 60s. And that's when we're clear that that's part of our purpose, part of our theme, and therefore part of the message that we were sent to share based on the experiences that we've gone through as regards to that message. So do you have any examples of uh, people that have maybe identified that right message and how it ties into their lives? Well, I'm thinking of a, what comes to mind right away as a young girl that I coached maybe three or four years ago, and she was actually a, um, a gardener. Um, and and actually a landscaper, but she didn't want to want to define herself as a, as a landscaper. And as we talked about her life, we talked about how when she was uh, young, when she was in her youth, she was always in the yard planting. She was always giving her parents advice about different things and and how important it was for that. And then she was kind of in her mid area, maybe 30s, 30s, 40s at the time. And she was doing some landscape work, but she was also recognizing, well, I'm not sure if this is what I want to do or not because I'm seeing people and I realize that, you know, there's some, something inside of us that maybe there's gardening to grow inside. And she began to look at that. And, and then what she wanted to do in the future was do some things more for motivational, inspirational to help other people make uh, transformations in their lives. And as we talked, and we talked about the whole concept of garden and landscaping, her in her identity ended up being her message ended up being is how to alter the landscape of your life and because she could see that she could align the issue of gardens to to landscaping to what she was doing as a child and she could align that to what she was doing in her 20s and and currently in her 30s or 40s in developing and doing landscapes for people and in do, so doing, getting to know people and realizing that there's a relationship between people's de- decisions about what gardens and what flowers and what landscaping they're going to do with their temperament and what's going on on the inside of them. And that gave her a new insight. So she could see how she could weave the idea of landscaping to her past, her present, and where she was going to go with doing some more consulting and, dev- and developing larger landscapes for organizations. So it just ties together. And, you know, there are many uh, examples. Unfortunately, I can't think of a lot, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But what it, what it, what it involves is really taking the time to assess what is really important to you and what has stayed important for, many, for a long time. And sometimes someone else has to tell you because when you are in the frame of your life, it's hard to see and stand behind and look outside of the picture. It took like a coach for me to, to tell me that my identity was authenticity. I didn't know that. Now, another thing a person can do, uh, which is what I did after this coach told me, is I listened to some of my videos. And when I listened, I heard the word authentic mentioned multiple times. But I didn't hear that when I was speaking it. I only heard it when someone else heard it or when I took the time hmm. to listen to 
some of my videos, my audios, and then I, it was very it was loud and clear. It was glaring at me. But it was glaring because I knew to look for it. So when somebody is uh, is trying to find that message and maybe they even found it, um, it may not come across as authentic. And that could be a, a challenge for for speakers. How can you make sure that you are sharing an authentic message that comes across that way? Because it's your message. Um, nobody on the planet has the same message of authenticity that I do. They may talk about authenticity, but their focus and their foundation and how they do it and what they say and how they put it together is going to be different, different perspective, different angle. So that is my authentic message, and everyone else has the same thing. They have something that is uniquely theirs that no one else can mirror or even steal from them because it is a natural progression from the life that they have led. So it's just a matter of looking at your life and kind of standing out on top of your life and looking down at it and seeing what what has transpired and what has happened. One of the things that I did to help me uncover my message is I did the timeline exercise. And what that is is you draw a vertical line on a piece of paper. And on the left side of the line, you put the number zero. And on the right side of the line, the far end, you put the age that you currently are. And then you divide the line up into five or ten-year segments and space them out. And then on top of the line, you write the great, joyous, memorable things that have happened in your life and around the time frame that they occurred. And then below the line, you write the negative things, the challenges, the things you can't forget, the things you wish you hadn't done, things of that nature that may not be as positive on the bottom of the line. And then you go back and you look at what's on top and bottom, and you look for the themes. You look for the themes in the good, and you look for the themes in the challenges. And that's where you begin to get a sense of what your authentic message is. And then you look at your experiences that you've had as an adult, with your passions, your, your work experiences, your life experiences, and you just kind of weave all of that together and your, your own authentic message begins to emerge. Sometimes it takes weeks or months to, to sift through all this. And, this. and one of the things I really want to encourage people too is don't be in a hurry to know your message. And I know everybody wants to get started and to go, you know, it's a challenge and you want to start making money. But taking the time to get the message right and identity right in the beginning will pay off many, many, many fold in the long run. Because oftentimes if you start marketing what you're calling yourself today and then tomorrow you change because you didn't take enough time to research and have the patience to allow it to unfold, then you're going to go through the same cycle of cash flow outlet that you did the first time around. So why do it more than once? Why keep changing your mind and doing it every time you change your mind? Take the time to be clear that this is really what I'm all about. Yes, this resonates. I feel it in my gut. I see it in my past. I see it in my present. And I can definitely see it going in my future. And then you know you have a message that's more authentic that is your particular message. 
If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Norma Hollis. She is talking to us about an authentic message that brings magic to the stage. Uh, also, if you if you'd like to join us uh, and uh, join us live and ask any questions of Norma, you can dial star two on your telephone keypad or click the raised hand button in the uh, web call interface, or you can submit questions online at speakermatch.com slash radio. And there's an online form where you can type out any question that you might have from Norma. So Norma, um, there's, uh, I think what I was uh, getting at a little bit before that um, I'd like to kind of cover a little bit deeper is the delivery itself. So somebody might have an authentic message. They might be speaking from the heart, but the way that it comes across to the audience is off for some reason. People find them not believable or not authentic. What does the speaker need to do to make sure that that message that they have, if it is authentic, is delivered that way to the audience? Well, the first and most important thing is to make sure you have the right audience. So, for example, if you are very comfortable in a seminar situation with 25 to 50 people, there is no reason for you to think you're going to go on a, on a, to be a keynote for 10,000 people. It's not your comfort zone yet. It's not your experience, and it's not where you're going to thrive. It's not where you're going to be more authentic. And some people really, you know, it's, what, it's interesting that so many speakers are, are introverts, uh, and yet they become very uh, uh, excitable, ex uh, exuberant, um, extroverted when they're on stage. And by being an introvert, some speakers do best by speaking at home, which means being on telesummit, not even being on a stage. So maybe that's the best place for you. Or maybe it's doing some webinars. Speaking now doesn't just mean being on a stage. So there's so many ways, more and more with technology, ways that you can share your message. So find the way that's most authentic with you. Find the way where you are most comfortable. Certainly doing it on, on, on interviews through calls like this, through uh, uh, different uh, uh, persons' uh, programs that you're on or, or, or doing telesummits gives you the experience and the confidence to be more clear on your message so that then you can go on stage if necessary. But if, especially if you're first getting started, it's good to do it on the phone. But it's really important to align your energy, your authentic energetic style with the way and where you deliver. So keep that in mind first in terms of wh where is the best place for me to deliver. Should I be a, an MC? Should I be on a panel? Should I be a seminar leader, a facilitator? Uh, do I need to be a telesummit person or a keynoter? What size audience is best for me? These are all things you want to examine and make sure you find your, most com your, find your comfort level and, and stick with that. That, number one, will make you authentic. And the second thing is to make sure that your message is authentic and that you are sharing authentic parts about it. So, of course, storytelling is important. And storytelling is one way to validate your authenticity. Because when you tell your own story, you're going through the emotional roller coaster, highs and lows, whatever, 
that you went through to a certain extent when you're telling that story, which is how people will know it's yours. So with that, understand that the emotional connection is part of the authenticity. When you can make an, an, an authentic emotional connection, not a contrived one, but that, that one that comes from the heart of your experience and your message, that also helps you to be more authentic. So you want to think about stories you can share that touch the heartstrings, that, that, that touch the gut, that open people's eyes, that make them say, mm-hmm, or make them say, oh, or aha. So you want to think about messages like that because those are the ones that will help you to be more authentic. Denise from Fairfield says that she works in a B2B corporate environment dealing predominantly with C-level executives. She would like to create a compelling story or message for that environment, and she says that she doesn't have a sad story to share with them. I'm sorry, doesn't have the way? The fact? A sad story. S-A-D, sad. Okay, okay, oh, okay. Well, you don't want a sad story. You want a real concrete story. Sads, you know, are always short-lived. And, you know, I think we all kind of agree that corporate needs some long-term transformation. So you want stories of true transformation, of true change, nothing that's fad, but stories that might even last through several different, um, I want to say generations, but cycles of, an, of, uh, of leaders in an, in an organization. So um, in cases like that, what stories can you find from the organization that are not fad but are, are factual and relate to the message that you're attempting to, to put across? So no, I definitely would not – I wouldn't suggest fad in hardly any because fad is not truly authentic. Fad is, is short-lived. Fad is short-term. You want classic. You want things that are, are more solid. You want foundational things. Authenticity is based on foundational, and that's where you want to go. That's where it has more impact and, and is basically just more authentic. You you talked a little bit about the emotional roller coaster. The sad could be a part of your story, but that's usually not, you know, the the whole story should not be sad is what you're saying, right? No, of course not. But there are, I mean, we all have sad parts to our life. And we Mm -hmm. all know, I mean, anyone that, um, I I know this is, I don't want to time date it too much, but we just heard Jimmy Kimmel talk about his son who had the heart surgery. And Jimmy Kimmel was a great comedian, right? But he had a sad moment in his life. And was that authentic or not? And it didn't leave us in a sad place because there was a good part of it. So whenever you tell maybe a sad story, you want to leave it on an up note. You never want to leave your audience sad, but you always want to leave them up. But sure, sadness is a part of life. And part of speakers, what I learned about speakers is that most of them that ever came to me wanted to make a difference in the world. They wanted to change something. And that's what I find most speakers do. And so that's where that's where your stories come into play because people are changed oftentimes by knowing your stories and how you overcame your sadness and became joyful. So that definitely can be a part of, of an authentic message without a doubt. So, you know, I, I watch um... – uh, Jimmy Fallon and people, well, there's a couple of people, Jimmy Fallon and Ellen DeGeneres. Um, when I see them, they seem to me to be very real. And yes. that leads into a question that we have here from Dan. Dan wants to know if authentic means the same as real. Yes, it does. It does. It means real. So um, 
they, I, the people you mentioned, Alan and Jimmy Fallon, and many other comedians and many speakers too, they have that natural gift of being you know, quick in the mind, being funny, being intelligent, being smart. They also have a logical gift because they can see things in ways that maybe we can't. And those people, again, it's about being authentic to your energy. So they have found authentic ways where their natural energy can best be shared. And they've had massive success with it. And there's all levels of success like that. Maybe it's not as massive as theirs, but all levels for all of us to rise to our highest level of achievement. But, and again, it's based on our authenticity. So, yes, authenticity and real are, in my mind, are synonymous. And now that you're talking about that a little bit, I, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of the celebrities that are really, you know, the A-list celebrities, a lot of them really do come across as very authentic. And right. I think that that may have something to do with the reason that they are where they are. Right, because how can you be on TV an hour a day, five days a week, week after week, and share that level of personality, of style, of, 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 of comic, of whatever, without being authentic? It's who you are. So it's who they are, which is why they're so successful. And that's, that's, that right there is the clue for all of us. So how do you be you? How do you speak and share your gifts and do it in a way that's totally you? So, you know, you talk a lot about keynotes. So when people speak, speak the word keynote, they often think about standing on a stage, oftentimes on a podium with a mic. Now, um, I do keynotes, and I, I call my keynotes um, training, inspirational training keynotes because I'm never on a stage. I'm on the floor, and I'm walking the room as I'm on the floor, and it's a keynote. And it's and I get and it's very inspirational and it's you know all the things. So I that's who I am. That's my authentic style. That's where I shine and do my best. I'm not always trying to fit into the pigeonholes that I that my brain thought was out there. I just began doing what was authentic for me, and that's where I have my greatest success. So what's it for you? Regardless of whatever terms we already have for keynote or seminar or or whatever. What can you call yourself that's a true representation of how you deliver what you deliver and what you say? And so for what I do in a lot of my presentations is I give an assessment and, 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 and tell a lot of stories, and so I'm able to make great contact with my audience when I do that. I'm able to look over their shoulders and see how they're answering the questions. I'm able to interact with them and engage, and it works very well. So don't feel like you have to be stuck with anything that might already be out there in the ethers about how we are supposed to do it. Because we're in a period right now of great transition in so many areas of our lives. So take advantage of that and be authentic in your way of delivery. And just as a side note to that, if you think about the speaking industry, it's not that old. I would have started with Benjamin Franklin about, what, 100, 200 years ago? And then it didn't really get really popular for today's world until the 1990s and what have you. But now, I mean, it's just like really humongous. So as it keeps growing and evolving, we can keep defining and making the rules. So make your own rules for now. Since there's, all the rules are not set, help grow the industry by helping others see the creative ways we can deliver. I've seen a lot of RFPs come across my desk, and they're asking for something outside of the norm. 
They don't want the usual keynote and the usual seminar. So look, look at who you are. Examine how you are most comfortable presenting and your most comfortable message and give it your own title, like I call mine, inspirational training keynotes. What will you call yours? And don't, don't, you know, just be, be as creative as you can and be as real as you can about who you are, and that way you can really step into your own authenticity. And, you, and that's where the magic will be. The magic I have in my presentations is the fact that I walk the room, I eyeball people, I give them the assessment, I tell personal stories. I have people tell me, well, I feel like I know you after you finish speaking because you tell so many stories. And I get great, great, great feedback and great response. And that's because I chose to not stand on stage and not do what some of the books say I'm supposed to do, but to do what felt right for me. And it works. We had a guest on our show a couple months ago that helps speakers prepare for TED Talks. And something she said I thought was very interesting, she said that being nervous and jittery does not take away from your authenticity. It doesn't take away from you being real. It's perfectly fine to have nerves. And there's a difference between being well-rehearsed and being polished. And... uh, and really, for the for the TED Talks, what she said was that a speaker who is performing the TED Talk needs to rehearse that speech so many times that it just becomes second nature to them so that they know the words, they know what they're going to say, and then they can become more real. They, they can begin to get out of their head and not worry about what they're saying and how they're standing and where they're moving and they can just think about how they're going to deliver the message that they have. And I think that's really important. It's important to know that you you may have a great message, you may have a great speech, but the way that it comes across may not uh, may not be the way you want it to because it's not well rehearsed enough. What do you think about that? Um, well, you know, I, I have a few challenges with the words well rehearsed. I would substitute that for you just know your material, you know your stuff. Um, You know, I've heard about corporations that want you to rehearse before you speak, and they want to know where you're even going to be standing at 17 minutes past the hour. That's rehearsed. That's when you are specifically, you know, following. and, And you lose your authenticity, in my opinion, when you're that rehearsed. Being authentic to me as a speaker means you're responding to your audience. Your audience is different every single time. So, you know, to go talk about myself, I don't consider myself well rehearsed, but I do consider myself very knowledgeable about my topic. And I'm knowledgeable enough that I can take my basic topic and share it in five minutes, in 30 minutes, in 60 or 90 minutes, and you really don't even have to tell me ahead of time. I've been to one event, and I thought I had an hour, and said, no, you got 30 minutes, and I came in at 29 minutes and 30 seconds because I know my stuff, (laughs) and I know how to (laughs) modify it, and then, but the issue about being too rehearsed is that since every, every audience is different, and since so much of speaking is coming from the heart, and I'll say heart slash spirit, to really be authentic means you're connecting with the heart and spirit of the people in the audience. 
And you can't do that if you're rehearsed. Because if you're rehearsed, you're going through the words and the motions and not going through the heart-to-heart connection, which is what makes speakers more, most engaging. Now, TED Talks may be a little different because I know there's a timing factor involved and you're getting the message, but no matter what, you still want to touch an audience. And um, I think you lose authenticity when you have a contrived way of touching that doesn't come from the heart. I think we do better. I think we're more authentic and more memorable when we come from the heart with our authenticity and match our match the the energy, the unspoken energy of the audience with the message that we're sharing. Does that make sense? It does. So you mentioned something about uh, some organizers want to know where you're going to be standing at 17 minutes and things like that. If you're a speaker and you are working with a client who is asking for something like that, how do you respond to their request? Well, it depends on if you want the gig or not. You know, that's like asking, what are you going to do when corporate America asks you to get a job and you don't really, you're not crazy about the environment, but you need to work. So you adjust. Uh, it may not be your best speech. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a great speech. It may not be your authentic. It doesn't mean you won't touch people. But I think the most memorable are those who can do it from the heart and touch people and be engaging. So if they're requiring you, requiring you to be a specific way and do that specifics, do it if you can. Some people can't. I don't know if I could do that because I'm such a um, spontaneous, creative, connect with, this, with the spirit and the heart of the audience type speaker that um, if, unless I had, and, and I don't know if I could do that, but some speakers can. But there again lies the difference with knowing where your authenticity lies. If you can't do that, that's why I have never spoken for a corporate audience that asked that, because I don't know if I could comply. That's a little more structured than I choose to be. But for some speakers, that would be fine. And just like some speakers are more creative and some are, are naturally more structured. So all I'm saying is that whatever is authentic for you, identify it, and let that be how you guide your speaking career. It's not saying that that's the only thing you will do, but that's where it's going to make you the most memorable, where you're going to have the, you're going to feel the best about it, and your audience is going to feel the best about it as well. But naturally, you know, we take gigs because they're gigs and they pay, and you know, we need to eat. So, um, <laughs> if, but if you can't, if you cannot fulfill the request. Just be man or woman enough to say, you know, I can't do that. Let me find another speaker. Let me reach out to somebody else. Let me find a bureau, you know, whatever. But uh, otherwise, everybody loses. So, again, it's all about knowing your authentic self and knowing where you fit and where you don't fit. If someone asked me to do a gig like that, even if they paid me $20,000, I have to think really hard to think how I would do that. I'm not saying I would refuse it. But I would definitely have to give it a lot of consideration. I'd say you probably won't. <laughs> but I would difficult. give it a lot. But see, the other thing though is that if if I chose to do it, I would probably end up having discomfort, a headache, or some kind of stress, either on the preparation part or after I've done it. Because right. while I'm on there in that stage for sixty or ninety minutes, my I'm going to lose some authenticity. 
because I'm going to be editing myself to make sure I'm where I'm supposed to be at 17 minutes after the hour. And so that takes away from my authenticity. So I'll know that I will not be as impactful, and I'll have to think of other ways that I can, can, can leave my mark other than my normal way of authenticity. I think that uh, hopefully most organizers will, uh, especially if they're paying that kind of fee, uh, they will realize that you are a professional and uh, you you know your stuff and they need to listen to what you have to say about about it also. And uh, they, hopefully they'll you know be accommodating and manage to work well, together. And if they weren't, you know, then I'm, I may have to just realize that this is an organization that's a little more structured than I am. And if mm-hmm. I were to speak to them, I, I'm, they, they probably would not be satisfied. And they probably would not even necessarily like my message because my message is all about the very thing that they would not be allowing me to do. So there again is part of the congruency you want to make sure you have when you accept engagements, when you do them, when you prepare for them. If you find yourself preparing and getting a headache in the process, that's a problem there. So, I mean, money is important, but it's not everything. Because if, you, if, you, if I were to do one of those and mess it up in a way that I'm being my authentic self and they want something structured, that, you know, the circles are short. They would, the word would get around, and that would hamper my ability to get more engagements. So I'd have to think really long and hard about something like that, as I would encourage others to do. But first of all, get to know who you are. And sometimes you don't even know who you are as a speaker until you start getting in some of those environments. But when you start feeling the, the, the creeping of doubts and headaches and stuff, that's a clue to, you know, give another thought or two and, you know, have to really evaluate, is this really what I need to be doing? Fair enough. Uh, once again, we are speaking with Norma Hollis, and if you'd like to participate in this call with a live question and you'd like to join in, dial star 2 on your telephone keypad or press the uh, the raise hand button in the web call interface, and we'd love to have you in as part of the conversation. It's one of the great things about having a teleseminar that's live is that you can participate live and uh, get advice from some of the great guests that we have. Right. And let me just so piggyback on that, at, uh, Brian, yeah. on the other one, because part of my formula for the, having the magic on stage, the C in the magic stands for creative. I know we didn't go through the acronyms, but the C stands for being creative. And it's hard to be creative when you're in a structured environment. So the magic comes from the, from the creativity that you bring, the authentic, the authentic creativity that's in you and as you pour that out to the audience. So that's what you want to make sure to do. And let me just give them the, the different the acronyms for the, um, the magic. The magic, the M is for your, my message. So as I've been talking about so far, what is your authentic message? What's your true message? What's the story of your life? What's the theme that keeps showing up? How does it show up in your passion, your experience, and your expertise? What's your message, my message? The A is make sure it is authentic. And you deliver it in an, in an authentic way. We've talked about that. How can you deliver it? What's your best delivery style? Is it a structured style on stage or is it a teleseminar in your pajamas or is it a seminar with 25 people? What, what, what's, what's authentic for you? And then the, uh, the G in the magic is that it grows with you. I spoke to that when I said that your message should, re- should relate to your past, your present, and the future. So it should grow with you and you should be very confident 
when you pick your message, and when I say message, I mean basically your basic identity, when you should be confident when you pick that, that you're growing together, you're hand-in-hand hand with this message. And as you go through life, you're going to keep growing with it. Just like when I had mine, my, when I created this, it was back when I was a speaker bureau owner. And I knew that authenticity related to my past early childhood and my present as a speaker bureau. And I've since grown it to uh, two ideas beyond that. I've grown it to authentic leadership for corporate, and I, which I don't do on a structured way, mind you. And I've also grown it to uh, my, my newest uh, per perspective, which is authentic beauty. So I keep growing with authenticity, and I probably haven't stopped yet. I don't know where I'm going next, but it just keeps putting putting more 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 parts to the puzzle, more parts to the body. And then the I is that it is income producing. It's not magical if it doesn't generate any income for you. So you want to make sure that whatever you have put together, you have found a way that it is income producing. You have found the the target market who can pay you for your message. And sometimes that takes a minute. But it is um, it is part of the magic because it, if it's not, then you're not really feeling the magic because you're not getting paid properly. And then the C is that it's creative. And the creativity part of it is the storytelling, the activities that you might do, the engagement that you might have people involved get involved in. But there's definitely magic, and it comes from that authentic message that lives within you and how you craft it and how you share it and how you uh, put it together on stage or off stage. Looks like Linda has a question. She's, okay. She's uh, with us from Michigan. Go ahead, Linda. Is she on Linda? the phone? She should be on the phone. She, Linda, you may be muted. Uh, Linda is not responding. Okay, that's okay. We have some questions. Uh, just uh, raise your hand again, Linda, if you want to come back in. Um, we have some questions that were submitted online. Um, okay. Let's see. Got a lot of questions that were submitted. Great. Renee from Vancouver would like to know if you have advice for helping a speaker find their own kind of humor. Hmm. Uh, you know, to find your own kind of humor, uh, ask your friends, the people who are around you most often. Pay attention when, when you laugh. Uh, let me just back up a minute because everybody's not humorous. So you have to make sure, first of all, um, if you do have a humorous streak within you, because some people are more, are just cynical and are not not necessarily humorous, and you don't really want to have cynicism on stage. But the best way I would say is to um, ask your friends. The other thing that I would say is that when you are on the phone with one of your best friends where you know you're going to laugh and giggle and whatever, Record, record it, especially record it from your end, and just listen back when you're in a different mood to see how, the, how your humor comes out, because usually our humor comes out when we're giggling with friends, and I know girls and girlfriends, we love to giggle together, so when you, if you find one of your giggly girlfriends and record, and then go back and listen, and uh, ask those girls, first of all, what their thoughts are, and then just listen for your, to yourself for your own perspective. Eric from Trumbull wants to know if you have any exercises other than the timeline one to find a story to share. Oh, man, I have tons of exercises. Um, so this is where I get to plug my product. I have a new website uh, and a new – I've taken all of my speaker training. I have a book and 
I've been doing uh, workshops and and telesummits and interviews for years and years and years. And I have put together the best of that into an online training program. And the link for that um, you have, I think, Paul. Um, I'm sorry, Paul. I called you Paul. I meant to call you Brian. I'm sorry. Paul is your assistant. That's okay. Yeah, okay. But in any event, um, through that, you can get a lot of information about your about stories, about all aspects. And let me just give a little bit of an overview of what that site offers. So having been a bureau owner for many years and working with speakers who come to me anywhere from I woke up this morning and I got to speak or I've been speaking for 20 years, I don't know what to do next, I had to realize how to help speakers no matter where they're at. So I have a system called the Rapid speaking system, and that's what the, the website is about. So the RAP, is based, it's based on the acronym of the word RAPIDS, R-A-P-I-D-S, and the RAP is for people who are seeking to develop their message and their presentation style, and the IDS is for people who are looking for marketing. So the R stands for what's your real message, and there is a lot of information. This is the area that I have uh, is my specialty, is my passion, where I really help people become authentic and find their authentic message. So in that particular program, which is a level one program, you're getting the R, which is your real message, which is exercises and, and interviews and lots of thought-provoking things to think about that you will help you understand more about your message. Uh, the A is your audience, your target market, and the P is your presentation. I talked to you about different ways of presenting as a facilitator, a telesummit person, a keynote, a seminar. It takes you through all that helps you understand that. So that's the level one course. And another course is the level two course, which is for people who are already speaking, have their message pretty much down pat, and they want to get more marketing and more exposure. And so the I is about income and how to, how to develop your speaking fee and about developing product. The D is distribution, lots of information about marketing yourself. You know, marketing is what we as speakers do not do that well because it is more structured than we are, and we're mostly creative. And I have a lot of tips to help you with that. And the S is about systems, to help you to put systems in place so that you, you will run more smoothly. And that's level two. And for anyone that needs everything, then that's level three, which takes you through the whole piece. Now, when you go to the link that uh, Brian has for you, you're going to get a free audio that you can download, which is, it gives you a lot of information, and, it's, and you'll hear humor on there, and you'll hear lots of tips from me, and, and you'll hear some comments from people who are on the call. So I highly encourage you to get the, the free um, audio and listen to it. You will enjoy it, and you will learn some things. And then you, from there you can go to the entire course or what part of that course is available, is interested and appropriate for you, or you can click the link for coaching. And I have several coaching programs. If you want to get involved with some one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, we could do that. And also some group coaching, which is involved in the, in the level programs. So, yes, I have lots of more exercises. Thank you for asking. Norma's links are available at speakermatch.com slash radio. There's a replay, uh, replay tab that has a recording of this call, and there's a show notes section on that page. So if you go to the replay for this page, uh, speakermatch.com slash radio, you'll find all the links for Norma 
in the show notes section. Norma, what are some common mistakes speakers make about their message? Well, they get the main mistake they make is they pick too soon, and then they start developing and preparing and spending money, and then they say, oh, but I want to do this instead. So myself, again, as an example, when I started speaking, my first message was managing life's mazes because to me life was a maze. Everywhere I turned, I was running into a brick wall or something and never knew where the, where the path is to, to success. And so it was a maze. So I had a whole program I was developing around that. Then I started my speakers bureau, and that's when I got the message of the power of voice. And that was kind of strong. I trademarked it. Next thing I knew, everybody's using it in one form or another. And I couldn't afford to fight it. And, you know, so I just, well, that's not a good one. It's not generic enough for me. And then I went to, uh, uh, then I got understood authenticity. And I went to America's leading authentic voice doctor. And that has stayed now for over a dozen years. And I will continue to grow on that. But now had I spent the money on managing life's mazes that I've spent on authenticity, I would probably be homeless in the streets right now or something dramatic because it takes a lot of money to market yourself properly. It takes a lot of time as well. But better you spend your time making sure the message is right than just wasting the money on a message that's not appropriate for you. What what should a speaker do if their message is not earning money for them? You talked about that I and magic. Well, you have to look at number one, uh, who's who, what, what, who's the market you're speaking with? A lot of times, if the money's not there, it's because you're talking to the wrong market. You might need to tweak your message or tweak your market. An example, uh, a lot of speakers are, speak on a spiritual basis. It may not be spirituality per se, but it's based, it, the foundation of it is there. And most of us know that the issues of spirituality and speaking in churches and the more soft stuff is not as well respected, does not pay as much as, as, as the more hardcore uh, skills uh, pay. So um, when I realized that, I had to modify a bit, and that's when I went from my basic authenticity to plan to do authentic leadership. And I've noticed I said plan to do. I didn't just step into it, but I had to research to find out that authentic leadership is a big topic, and I have a, a, a unique angle on it. And if I if I if I put a little bit more structure in my creativity, not a whole lot, not to where I'm going to stand in 17 minutes, but a little more structure so that I'm more aligned with the corporate environment, then may just maybe I can have a little more success. And that's what I did, and the success has definitely paid off and has shown me. But I had to just tweak the message just a little bit to be a, a little less spiritual, to, to change a few of my words and change a few of the ways in which I approached it so that it would be more appropriate for corporate. Still authentic and still aligned and still the same message, just a slight tweak in how I did it. So if either you're going to, to tweak your audience or your message or both, and then you just keep testing it. One of the best places to test your message is what I call the core four. And the core four, uh, you should write these down, the core four are your Kiwanis Clubs, your Lions Clubs, Rotary Clubs, and Chambers of Commerce. That's uh, Kiwanis, Lions, Rotary, and Chambers. 
because all four of those groups are pretty much in every single city, no matter how small. And they pretty much do events every month and sometimes every week. And they pretty much use a speaker every time they do an event. And that's the best way to begin to test your material. Test out the humor someone asked about before. Test out the message. Test out the creativity. Test out everything you want to test. Test a new message. Go to different ones and try different things and see how they work. And that's a great way to begin to test. It doesn't pay you. Sometimes they'll feed you and sometimes you can sell a product. But it is the best way to begin testing and getting practice and then tweaking so that you can get the best message possible for when you're ready to go out there uh, and either ask for more or begin to ask to be paid at all. That leads into April's question. April's from Chicago, and she wants to know about speaking fees. How do you know what to charge? How did you charge when you first started out? And what are your thoughts on speaking for free? Well, speaking for free is what I do most of, um, and I do it in areas where I'm going to get leads or I'm going to sell product. So I don't have any problem speaking for free. I prefer to do it where the crowd is larger, but I'll do it for a small crowd if I'm if I'm available, if it's local and it's not going to be much it's much uh, time and investment. And also because it helps with my notoriety because people get to know me and, and that's what we want to be. Remember, we want to be known. We want to be top of mind. So I don't have any problem speaking for free. Now, as far as a fee, what I, you know, when I started uh, my authenticity program and I traveled the, the, the United States doing my cash in on your authentic voice program, one of the questions I would ask the audience is, who's getting paid to speak? And some would raise their hand, and I'd query each of them, well, how much are you getting paid? And I guess like $100 or $500, and generally not over 500 And I want to say that if you are on this call, that means you're a part of Speaker Match. And if you're part of Speaker Match, that means you are a speaker. You're looking for gigs. And that means your, your fee should be at a absolute rock-bottom minimum 1500 Bottom minimum. Chances are most of you should be at least 3,000, and many of you should probably be at about 5,000. So the difference has to do with your, your your comfort level speaking. It has to do with what you what you bring to the table. It has to do with what you who you have been, what kind of accolades and awards or or accommodations or positions have you held, have you done? And it's again speaking is your passion, your experience, and your expertise. And getting paid is also your passion, your experience, and your expertise. So what's your expertise? What's your experience? How do you display your passion? So you kind of have to play with that. When in doubt, go with the higher number. You can always bring it down. You can never go to the lower number, you know, tell them 1500 and, and then turn around and say 5000 because they're totally different expectations. So there's more information in the I portion of the uh, Authentic Speaking You program. And uh, there's some work pages where you can fill out that will uh, take you further. And then those programs also include a monthly group coaching call that I lead. And you can bring any questions to that call, and I'm very happy to answer them for you um, in any, you know, as much detail as I can. And that way we can have a, a conversation so I can ask you questions about your background and really help you answer that question. 
We just got a couple minutes left, but I wanted to ask you real quickly. You, I noticed that you use acronyms a lot. Do you recommend that a speaker use that in their speaking business? And do you have any recommendations for a speaker finding their own acronym? I do recommend acronyms because one of the greatest challenges I find that many speakers come to me with is, how do I speak without notes? Well, you speak without notes by having a formula in your head. And that formula could be an acronym, just like I gave the acronym for the word MAGIC, M-A-G-I-C. I I told you what that was. I gave an acronym for the word RAPIDS, R-A-P-I-D-S. So that's how I know if I can speak for five minutes or even five hours. Because if I have M-A-G-I-C, a five-letter word, I can do a minute on each on each a five-letter. Yeah, if I can do a minute on each letter, I can do an hour on each letter. I can do 10 minutes on each letter. I can do whatever the time gives me, and I can modify that, and then I can be right on time, and I don't have to remember where I'm going. And that's where I talk about spirit and connecting with the audience, because if I'm doing my rapids, and I'm on R, which is real message, and I feel that the audience is not getting it, and they need more, I can only do that if I'm there with them, and I can feel it, and I can modify it. So I can modify that time and reduce the time in something else. But it enables me to go directly to the time limit to know exactly where I'm going. And I can play in that box of R based on how I feel about the audience. So even though I know I want to make, you know, these three points, the audience's how I feel them may be different. And so I need to spend more time on point A and less time on point C. And that's because I'm there, I can feel them, and I can play in that box and still know that I'm in my time frame and still know where I'm going next to the A, which is audience. So I definitely recommend that. Now, one of the things that I do specialize in is a session where I help you find your acronym. Because once you find your acronym, boy, you have, that's magic, that's gold. Because then your products can be developed on each of those letters, because I talk about rapid, if you go to my Authentic Speaking U and you get to the site, you're going to see that there's an R, an A, a P, so, I can, so that's a product. And I can do R separately, I can do A separately, that's more product. And so by that acronym, you just have tremendous ways to move forward. I can do telesummits, or I do uh, a series, I can do R one week, A the next week, I can build that out, and you can do the same. But when you find that acronym... The other thing about an acronym is that it leaves the audience with a word to remember. And if you probably know that audiences only remember 7% of what they hear. But if they hear that word over and over and over again, they're going to remember it. And then you become more memorable. Linda, we are out of time, but I want to give you an opportunity to wrap it up for everybody. Do you have any great closing words? Oh, my closing words are just go out and do your authentic thing. Did I? I'm sorry. Did yeah. I call you Linda? <laughs> they call me Linda, but I, I finally realized you were talking to me. That, <laughs> I'm, I called you off so we're even, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, the, you know, the key is just to go out and be your authentic self, do your authentic thing, share the message that life has given you to share, share it with enthusiasm and with great authenticity, and, and make a difference in the world. That's what speakers want to do. You can do it. All of you can do it. And, I mean, my passion and my purpose on the planet is to help speakers get their message out there because you were born with it, you're living it, 
share it. I'm so glad that we have a world now that's very receptive to listening to coaches and speakers and the advice that they can give. So share that advice and make a difference. That's what you were sent to do. And please reach out to me. Um, I'd love to connect with you and see what assistance I can provide to you on your path. I've been doing this a long time and have helped a lot of people and have a lot of knowledge and love to share it. So I would love to hear from any one of you, and you can get in touch with me by following the path that uh, Brian has led you to. So I thank you again, Brian, for having me on here. I appreciate having to share. I wish all the speakers the most authentic and profitable and happy path that they can get on, and I look forward to being a part of their journey. Again, thank you, Norma, so much for uh, spending time with us today. If you are listening right now and, uh, well, if you listen to other podcasts, you're probably used to hearing requests for iTunes reviews. And these reviews are really important because they are the fuel that we use to bring on guests and build your audience. And if you value today's call or any previous interviews you've listened to, I would really appreciate it if you could just take a few minutes to go on iTunes Search for Speaker Match and click the review tab to let others know what you think. It really means a lot to us and helps us a lot. Until next time, this is Brian Kaplovitz. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Speaker Match radio series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. Speaker Match is the leading provider of tools and services for emerging professional speakers. You can find more information about Speaker Match at www.speakermatch.com. Our toll-free number, if you prefer to reach us by phone, is 1-866-372-8768. International callers can reach us at area code 512-372-8768. Thank you again for listening, and we wish you the best in your speaking career.